Hi, my name is uh, Ken Paskins. I'm one of the founders and CEO of The Shift Spot. And today we're going to be talking with Viola Eva, who is the CEO and founder of Flow. Uh, Viola, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, if you could, please, and tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your company as well, please. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you for having me, Ken. So I run a digital marketing agency called Flow SEO that is specialized in search engine marketing, which means we help you appear on the Google search results, uh, both organic SEO and paid uh, search engine advertising. Um, in that, we have focused on B2B companies, whether that's B2B services or um, B2B technology. So we have different software clients that we work with in the HR space, workforce management space, or e-learning predominantly. And um, we're a pretty international team. I'm based in Berlin. The rest of the team is spread out across Europe. Our clients are mainly in the US and Europe. And so we've been what people now call remote native. Yeah. And yeah, excited to, to share today about my journey. Yeah, and a lot of your clients are actually across the United States, correct? I mean, I know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Which I think has been a result um, of referrals predominantly. I mean, now I'm actively going after American clients through my LinkedIn activities, et cetera. But that originally was um, quite organically um, through my conference speaking and then referrals from previous clients. Okay, excellent, excellent. So today we're going to talk about leveraging SEO through business growth or to increase mm -hmm. your business growth. But I want to dig into some other areas as well, because you're you're obviously a CEO and a founder, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of challenges with being that, as you and I experience every single day. So I want to talk to that some as well. Uh, let, let's begin into those areas first. But uh, as a CEO, what what are some of the biggest challenges you face today? I mean, you know, across either talk about political, geopolitical. Uh, uh, economical, uh, you know, human capital. There's there's lots of things out there. What are some of the top things that you're faced with and challenged on a day to day basis currently? Um, I think so. The, the reason why I have this digital marketing agency to begin with is that I I know a lot of things about digital marketing. Yeah. Um, I love teaching digital marketing. Um, I assume I'm fairly good at it. At least that's what people tell me. Um, and so um, a lot of the challenges I face on the day-to-day -day are not so much related to the actual client work that we're doing. Like I feel very confident in developing SEO strategies and advising people in this regard. And so typically what gives me hiccup is more in the business side of things. So it is the, the hiring, the firing, the... Um, developing people, the financial processes, the sales processes, and just, yeah, basically that um, wearing the many different hats that that come from being a founder, but not necessarily what is the core of the business. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I speak to a lot of people that start their company that way. It's a, it's a passion or they're selling something or doing something themselves, selling a product or a service or, and then suddenly it turns into, you know, sometimes an accidental business or, or they become an accidental entrepreneur, right? And um, they're pushed in all sorts of different areas such as, wow, how do I now scale this thing? How, right. do, I, how do I read my financial statements? Uh, I'm expected to know all the answers. I'm, I'm the big CEO now and everybody's coming to me and I'm supposed to automatically know everything, which 
which can be a challenge and, and daunting at times. So has, have you ever had those thoughts in your head? Have you ever wondered like, you know, wow, this is really challenging. And, and, and if you had ever had some of those concerns? Yeah, uh, definitely. So my background is this, basically, I think in many ways, I'm an accidental entrepreneur, though I did set out to create a business. And so this was um, around 2015 or so. And I think in many ways, this is still very the boom of social media platforms, right? Facebook is a few years old. Um, Amazon just opened the marketplace to all kinds of sellers. And so um, one day in 2015, I read a book called The Four-Day Workweek by Tim Ferriss, which essentially became a Bible for a lot of internet entrepreneurs. And it seemed like everyone was making money online. Everyone was profiting from how easy it was to grow a following on Facebook. The clicks were cheap. Um Amazon didn't really have that many products, but wanted products. Um, for the first time, it was possible through Alibaba to directly engage with Chinese, you know, suppliers as a, you know, individual, essentially. And so I, I had the feeling like everyone is making money online. I should be making money online. And so then I set out to um, sell products on Amazon and failed miserably. At this for a variety of reasons. One, I had a very sophisticated, cute, unique handmade cup from Colombia um, that I was trying to sell on Amazon, but it was really more a gift-like Etsy boutique product and not your white coffee mug that people buy for $5 of Amazon. But that's what set me into this journey on, I, I want to work online, I want to work remotely, I want to have a digital business. But I would say for the first few years, yeah, all my problems were related to like I said, marketing specific activities. Uh, how how um, how do I post on social media? How do I get clients? Who I do, how do I do things for clients? And today I really struggle more with what you call um, being the big boss because firstly, I don't consider myself the big <laughs> boss. Right. And then realizing that people consider me that as the big boss and that bears a responsibility for their livelihood but also for their career development, for their satisfaction, for their, you know, retention with the company, for their motivation and engagement to do good work for our clients. And so that's where, where my head is at these days. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I've worked with all sorts of CEOs. So I believe that you know this, but for our audience, um, prior to doing what I'm doing, I, I ran very large teams, uh, P&Ls up to half a billion dollars and everything. A lot, a lot of responsibility, but the, for the past seven years, I've been operating as a fractional CEO, COO and actually working with other CEOs and uh, then started the shift spot to, to you know, make even a bigger impact. But it, it's, it's interesting because I, I hear so many stories out there and there's, there's one, one kid that actually strikes me and I think I've actually shared this, this story with you, so I apologize in advance, but I, I, I had this person call me and um, they 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 fell one time like snowboarding and broke their glasses and uh you know and somehow i don't know how one does this but they machine crafted their glasses in their garage i'm just imagining myself doing a bunch of scratches all over the lenses i don't know how i'd possibly see and then suddenly they're doing it for their buddies because they couldn't afford new glasses and lenses and then suddenly they have trade agreements with china and then suddenly they have a 10 million dollar company in three years and every skew known to man on the internet of, of for glasses 
And uh, the business was out of control. And this person was in their 20s and people were coming and going. And, uh, you know, he, he was making good money, but pulling his hair out. And he went from loving it and having a passion for it to hating it and asking right. the question, should I scale back? This is insane. I started doing this. It was fine. And now I feel like it's out of control. And, and it's interesting. I've heard that a lot. And I was just curious, have you ever, have you ever actually, have you ever actually been faced with that? You're like, boy, is this worth it? Is it ever going to get easier? Should I just scale back? Should I make my life simpler? And why am I chasing this? Have those thoughts ever gone through your head? 100%. So I'm always, I'm always very torn. I'm always very torn in the sense that on the one hand, I'm very competitive. And then I hear a story like this guy and I'm thinking, wow, I'm 10 years older and my company is still smaller. And so there's my competitive, you know, side that thinks we should be going higher, faster, bigger, more known clients, et cetera. Um, And then also my, just my hungriness for new ideas, new things, not wanting to do the same thing as last year, always wanting to be changing. And so that is always what propels me forward. And then on the other hand, I call the company Flow SEO One Purpose because I'm a deep believer of flow as that state where we feel and perform at our best and where we're in our zone of genius and everything is effortlessly and um But in many ways, often the growth paradigm, the hustle culture, the being busy, the changing priorities are not conducive to the flow state. And they're also not conducive to work-life balance and prioritizing hobbies and events and family and relationships. And so um, depending on what day of the month you catch me, you will find me wanting to go bigger or you'll want me to, I think we should stop, you know, we should calm down. I just want to relax a bit. And I think it swings back and forth. I think the last years we found a good middle ground, but yeah, I definitely find myself swinging back and forth between the ambition and the the overwhelm of my own ambition. Yeah. 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 You know, you really don't get, um, the true success, I guess, or the ability to let go and have the freedom, I think that you want until you have a lot of those building blocks in place. I mean, I, I spoke to a guy that owns a, an $89 million business recently, and just the same struggles, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But he's he his team lacks the leadership competency, they tend to hold on to people forever and not fire them. So lots of excuses there. Um, he put it that the the Wild West had more rules than we do. We have no systems and processes. <laughs> you know, it's all tribal knowledge and everything. And it, you know that that uh, you know I was joking with him. I was like, you know, it's it's rare to find a ninety million dollar business that operates that way. But I think a lot of owners out there keep thinking, once I get to five hundred thousand, it's going to be easy. Once I get to a million, it's going to be. When I get to five, when I get to ten, when I get to twenty, it's going to be easy. But if you don't really do the basics, right, which which I know that you you do, it was putting the structure in place and everything and bringing in the right people, you're going to constantly find that you have those struggles. But um, as a CEO, where do you currently spend your time, you know, and where would you like to be, be spending your time once you've realized your vision and the company is where you want to be? How do you see that evolving or changing? That's a great question. So in our like organizational chart, accountability chart, I'm currently occupying a lot of different hats. Yeah. Um, 
One hat that I still occupy is I'm actually actively working as an SEO consultant and client manager. And so that's a, a seat or a hat I'm currently actively giving up in Q1. Um, shout out to Laura, who's taking yeah. over. Um, but that's a hat I've held on to for a long time because there's some clients that I have a very deep relationship with that I'm learning from a lot, that I like a lot. And I felt, felt myself clinging on to them. Um, partly related to their retainer size and deal size, but not exclusively. And I think I'm now at the point where I want to let that go because on top of that, I'm also leading, um, the operations team as the head of SEOs or our client services. And so there's about, um, 11 or 12 people on that team. I am leading the marketing and sales team. I am leading and I'm the only member of our finance team. And then I'm wearing the the hat as a business owner um, as well. And so um, a lot of different things going on at every single day. And I try to uh, compartmentalize and assign different days to different activities. But for the rest of this year, I really want to focus on the marketing and sales seat. Um, Of course, downstream, I want to be fully and only in the visionary business owner type seat. But for this year is removing myself more and more out of the operations and client services and really owning the marketing and sales seat and scaling up these activities is a big priority for me. Yeah. When you say operating as a visionary owner, CEO seat, um, what do you think some of the building blocks are that you need to have in place to actually get there, right? Yeah, I think in terms of like client services, we have an extremely strong team now. We are better than ever. Um, We have more processes. Um, We have increased collaboration and communication a lot. And so one of the next steps is having a head of that operations and client services department. Um, But I think, yeah, I think that is a role. Um, And then um, just, I think, what some people call the integrator, COO, fractional COO, having a sparing partner, kind of like a number two, the second in command to kind of like lead the team, um, own results, own delivery, um, own growth. And just also having that sparing partner, um, you know, to, to work with and share responsibility with, I think are two stepping stones towards being in the visionary seat. Yeah. Yeah. So the things I, I just heard were basically right people in the right seats. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, and honestly, I think a lot of CEOs struggle with that. I, I don't know how often I see either whether we fire too quickly or we hold on too long. Uh, right. Very few tend to do it just correct. Just right. You know, communication. Right. Which is really right. Uh, leadership. You talked about a fractional integrator or full-time integrator or COO. So right leadership. Right. And then you know, systems and processes, which honestly, I think a lot of CEOs and owners and, and regardless of the company size, uh, pay too to a little attention to as well, right? You know, we, we, we tend to throw bodies at it. We've got a problem right. with three more people and not exactly the way to scale, scale your business. So, but here, I learned a new thing about processes now. We documented and wrote out most of our processes in 2022. So what we're now realizing is, the process that we wrote six months ago is now out to date because we now changed the content audit, the tool, et cetera. And so I'm, I'm learning a new layer of the process management, which is like, actually, we need to use it. We need to train people on it and we need to update it so that the new people, yeah. you know, 
everyone in the team already knows that the process has changed. The guide doesn't reflect it. And now we are setting the new guy up for failure. So it's been an interesting, uh, interesting uh, observation recently. Yeah, we should talk more about that off offline. I've got some thoughts and ideas there, but um, just just to head on that a little bit, and I'm not saying that you do this, I don't believe you do, but a lot of people think that, well, I go out and I develop all these processes and, and they're perfect and pristine, and then they, they put them in a little drawer somewhere, and then they question why nobody follows it. Right. <laughs> You know, but uh, that's interesting. Well, let's let's start to dive into SEO and you know what more of where your passion is and why you started this and just to just to get a little bit of insights. So you and I met boy a, a little over a year ago at one of my clients and one of our mutual clients, and uh, I was so impressed with your work. I um, I honestly I. I'll be direct. I work with a lot of marketers, if you will. Uh, marketing is is scary to me. Um, I also um, I also don't like it because it's really tough <laughs> to hold accountability to. And I feel sorry for CEOs and owners out there because you know you can get you can get a lot of marketers in a in a in a room, and they all have these great ideas these great stories and you know it feels like a lot of magic and a lot of single silver bullets such as if you just do social you know you'll nail it if you if you do this on linkedin you'll nail it if you just email you'll you or it's all brand or it's something so it's very hard to tie down marketers and i feel sorry for ceos because they always want to know well, what results should I get out of all this money I'm going to give you? And uh, quite honestly, you and your team do that, and it's it's really impressive. But you know, maybe you could uh, maybe you could talk to me a little bit about why SEO is so important and why CEOs of business should care about it. Totally. Um, well, first thing first, thank you. I appreciate that, and then also. Um, I think there's this saying about marketing that um, I know 50% of my marketing uh, working. I just don't know which 50%. Yeah. And I think in many ways, digital marketing has made a lot of tracking attribution easier, right? Maybe before you have a TV spot, you have a shop front, you have an ad in a magazine. You can't track as detailed. At least over the ten, last 10 years, we got very spoiled with data in digital marketing. We could exactly see how many people click, how often, who come to the website. That's now obviously changing again with the new iOS, with the going away of cookie notice, with the European privacy laws. But at least for the last 10 years, we were in a glory age of available data and digital marketing, which in many ways helped people understand a little bit better what's working for them and what's not working for them. And so before I talk about SEO specifically, though, I want to encourage you. So weirdly, I'm an SEO consultant that says SEO is not for everyone. And what I mean by that, before we decide, should I be doing SEO or should I not be doing SEO? Um, I would like for you to think about kind of like, what is your marketing DNA in the sense that where do you currently client get clients from? Is that from events, from referrals through your website? Where do you already have traction? Are, you, are there seats for something where you could be doing more of? Every right. time I'm posting on LinkedIn, I'm getting phenomenal replies or something like. And so really taking a look and seeing, are there things that are already working for me? And could I be doing more of that? Could I be staling that? 
And the other reason why I call it marketing DNA is I do think the marketing channel that you pick needs to fit the workflow and personality of your company. And so if no one on your company is on TikTok, likes being on TikTok, wants to be on camera, and you don't have someone funny, you know, maybe you shouldn't be on TikTok, even though everyone is talking about it. And so getting a sense, not saying that you shouldn't have a growth edge and explore new things, but think when we think about the algorithms and the rules of the game, what are rules of the game that your marketing team and company would enjoy participating in? So um, and so kind of like getting a sense for that, I think is important because otherwise it's always, always, if, if it's like so unnatural for everyone in the team to participate in that, I think it's going to be really, really hard. Um, so that adds a, uh, context, additional context. I think the marketing channel that you choose depends on your target audience and depends on the product or service that you're offering. And so, for example, if you are a fashion brand, lifestyle brand, food, I think Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok are phenomenal for you. They're very visual, um, they're image driven, et cetera. And so I think it makes a lot of sense to build out your brand in some of these channels because that's where people are looking for that type of products. Um, If you're a B2B service provider or a B2B software where people typically research during their work time, on their computer, often still, et cetera, then maybe Google is, is a better fit. And of course, with the keyword tools, et cetera, that we have today, we can get a very good understanding of what are people actually typing? What are they looking for? How big is the search volume? But yeah, first things first is like, what is your marketing DNA? Like what feels right as your organization? Where do you have seats that you can expand upon? And then two... Where's your audience and what type of product are you offering? Is it appropriate for, you know, the channel that you want to be active on? Um, The good thing about SEO specifically is that people are choosing their adventure. People are literally telling you what they want. So people, they go, they they are looking for um, executive coach in San Diego or, um, Um, They might be looking for performance management software, and it's at least part of their market research and consideration getting in options. If no one in their network has someone that they can recommend, then usually they will at least go to Google to compile a list of candidates that they want to review. And so people on Google, people tell you what they want which is, for example, different from social media. On social media, people are scrolling, they're doing their thing, they're having fun, and you need to interrupt them, get their attention for your thing, and then take them from there. And they haven't asked in that second for performance management software. You're interrupting them with performance management software. And so that's a big difference between the search algorithms like Google, Booking.com, Airbnb, Amazon, where people, YouTube, where people tell you what they want versus the social media channels where you're interrupting people and trying to get their attention. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, that, that, that's interesting. Um, so if you look at, if you look at the SEO market currently, what would you say some of the top trends are and, and how often is it evolving and changing? You know, I, I sort of get the feeling like this is something you got to be on your game all the time and learning and striving to improve and understanding the market. Where, right. you know, and, and marketing, honestly, now that I think about it, that's really marketing, right? It doesn't right. 
tail. There's always somebody else trying to out trick somebody or outmaneuver somebody. But what do you see as the biggest trends out there currently for SEO? So up until December of last year, I would have said SEO, even though it's one of the oldest channels, largely remained on the same principles, which means that if you want to be ranking, you need to be the best answer for a search query, which means the foundation for ranking is always you got to write about it. If you didn't write about it, you cannot rank for it. And so content and content creation has always been what makes you relevant. And of course, this has changed in the past. You could stuff your keyword into a 200 word article a bunch of times and you would rank and now you have to be more sophisticated. But that principle is for each search query, for each topic that you want to rank for, you need to have one designated page has always been there, is still there. And the other principle that has been always is that the more people link to you, the more of an authority you are in the eyes of Google. And this is a similar principle on all algorithms. If people like more of your Facebook posts to get more visibility, if you have more reviews on Amazon, you get a better ranking. And so if more people link to you, your website will appear higher on Google. And so these are two underlying principles that have stayed the same. And then, of course, the the details and kinks and tweaks and changes and trends have changed um, ever since. But that importance on... Uh, good quality content, which then gets good quality links, has always been there. Now, when we talk about the trend in AI, uh, in SEO right now, then the mega trend obviously is AI. Yeah. Um, OpenAI released ChatGPT in December of last year, which is basically uh, uh, a, a, a language model that completely rethinks the way we do search. It's basically it's a chatbot experience. It's very conversational. It's extremely smart. It's very, very targeted. It can write content for you. It can program for you. It can analyze research data. It can do summaries. And of course, there's a lot of things to consider, like um, the privacy of the data you're putting in there, um, the data set, biases, wrong information. We can talk about that. The thing is, we cannot unsee. Like now that we've seen how amazing and really good conversational, you know, search experience can be, we will not forget this. And so the next trend is that then Bing, um, Microsoft search engine that has lost against Google for years, said that they're going to start introducing ChatGPT to their search. And then this week, Google has announced that BART which is essentially their ChatGPT competitor is going to launch on the search results as well. Um, BART is from Google's language model called Lambda and is a follow-up of two of the latest algorithm updates called MUM and BERT. And so what that means is that, at least for now, I think the classic search results are not going away. The way Bing imagines this to happen is that the chatbot experience is there and then there's a tab with the classic search results next to it. I assume Google will have a similar experience. But what that could mean is that Google becomes more and more a channel that gives answers on the search result. That doesn't make it necessary anymore to go to someone's website. And this is a trend we've already been seeing on Google over the last few years. Um, 10 years ago, Google search results were 10 blue links. You know, no images, no nothing, just 10 blue links. You needed to click on a link, you go to the website and Google would send so much more traffic than any other channel. Google would send to your website. 
And now we know this has already changed. If I'm typing Britney Spears, her picture is already on page one. If I'm typing um, what is a, a Charlotte in cooking, this is already, the answer is already going to be on page one. If I want to know 4 p.m. Berlin time in Eastern, the answer is going to be right there. So Google has already moved towards giving answers directly on the search results, but mainly for very simple things, uh, conversions, translation, time zones, three-step processes, definitions, images. But that trend is probably going to get more if Google has a chat button like experience is. Um, and then the question, how do we get visibility? How did we get remembered? How do we get people to come on our website will need to be rethought. And in many ways that will make it most likely more similar to other social media channels. LinkedIn does not want you to leave LinkedIn. You're posting a link in your LinkedIn post, you're even getting punished in visibility. Instagram barely has any links, Twitter, same. And so I think in many ways, we'll see more interaction on the Google search result page, even more than the last few years. Um, and so no one knows what's gonna happen. Google's BART only got announced um, 6th of February just now. Uh, it had a mistake uh, in its promo video, which it probably has as many mistakes and false information as ChatGPT. But because OpenAI is the cool underdog and Google is a big company with a stupid mistake in their promotional video, their stock immediately tanked. But the thing is, we cannot unsee. I think search now will be different and it will look different in a year or two than it did um, the past 10 years. That's really interesting. So I, I, I've heard some contradictory stuff out there then. I thought I have heard that Google uh, doesn't like content being written in AI and they were trying to create some algorithms actually to punish those that are using AI to write all their content. Is that true or not true? I think it's two different things. Okay. I think one is the chatbot experience on the Google search results. So Google using the AI technology to provide you with better answers, which is what I just talked about. And then the other thing is like um, JetGPT, Jasper, all these different tools that can basically spin up content on the click of a button. Got it. Um, and so what happened is that they made content production really cheap, right? Whilst before you needed someone, you know, to sit down half a day, a day, write an article, you can now say, hey, Jasper, hey, JetGPT, um, write me a thousand words about how to overcome burnout in business. You click, you wait, uh, it's there. Um, so Google has that, said this, they said, um, we do not explicitly punish AI content. What we punish is essentially spam content only produced rank. If it's human centered content that actually answers the search query, they have nothing against AI content. So basically what Google is saying is if you use AI smart, if you edit it, if you use it to be more efficient, if you're actually making sense for people, that was always fine and will be fine. If you're going back to the good old days of content spinners, automated content, 10 euro per piece content, and you just decide to spin up to 20,000 pages tomorrow, we don't like that. Okay. That yeah. being said, this stuff ranks today. Google is saying you shouldn't do it. People do it. It definitely ranks today. Um, but there's probably an expiry date on simply spinning up thousands of pages with Jasper and hoping for them to rank. Got it. Okay. Do you, do you envision this putting, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little, it's a little scary. I, I kind of, kind of, uh, 
think of the movie Terminator, you know, created a long time ago with Arnold Schwarzenegger and and AI just taking us over, which I know honestly is a fear of some, right? Some of these machines are starting to learn even, you know, and teaching each other and protecting each other. And some of the conversations uh, heard and found are it's 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 really it's really bizarre. But from a marketing perspective, do you do you envision this putting content writers out of business? I mean, I, you know, I I I can't imagine kids going to school these days and. Uh, not really having to write a paper or do research and everything. And, and what are the impacts to the writers out there in the world? So what I've seen over the last two months is not necessarily that people are letting the writers go, but often that they up their quota. And so, for example, if a writer used to need to write one article per week, maybe now they need to write two or three. And so, of course, you could simply click chat GPT, a thousand words on burnout in business. If you do actually read the article, you realize that it's not that nice. It's not particularly specific. It's not that well written. It's quite, it's okay. It's not worse than a bad writer. It's definitely okay. It tends to read uh, itself. I've exactly, noticed. exactly. So yeah. it's, it's, it's like fine. It's, it's as good as a bad writer, but I think for many people, especially if you think B2B and, and you're speaking to executive and higher deal size, I think just simply copy and pasting it and publishing is not going to get you there. So I think it's a tool to make people who are already good, more productive, okay. to help them with outline, with research, with finding examples, spinning up tables, um, writing meta descriptions, writing little social media posts, writing better headlines. Um, I think it will make good people more effective. And I also think it will increase the necessity of subject matter experts. People can also actually fact check. People can actually tell if this is true or not. Because ChatGPT will, with all confidence, announce something that is 100% wrong. And it will not warn you about this. It will not indicate it. It will just simply say it. Um, and so I think in many ways, the expertise, the subject matter expertise, curation, editing is more and more important. Right. That being said, I think for people who are already quite a commodified writing service, a productized writing service, I think it will get tougher because now obviously the AI content with human editing is cheaper. Um, and so I think for someone who's having a very commodified writing service that there's a bit of a danger. I think for someone senior with subject matter expertise and good editing skills, this is going to be a, a tool and a system to make them better. Right. Okay. That, that's <laughs> interesting. And your, some of the things you're hitting around, what Google is going to be doing, does it, does it make content writing for businesses and their blogs and everything to be found? Does it make it obsolete at that point? Do you envision where that becomes obsolete? <clears throat> I think some type of content will never be obsolete. I think, um, let's say everything that describes your services or products, your features, your exact offerings, um, everything that is your case studies, buying guides, success stories, um, everything that is original research, everything that is like thought leadership may have an impact on, you know, the generic sloppy blog post we put up twice a week because we heard we we're supposed to put up a blog post twice a week. Uh, yeah, I think it might have an impact on that. But I think for very high quality, specific information, people will 
will at least for now still come to your website. Okay. Uh, so do you see companies needing to make any significant changes in their strategies, marketing strategies in 2023 with some of this? Um, I think it's a bit early to tell because yeah, Google announced this a week ago, Bing announced this just now. So it's not totally clear how it will look like. Yep. But one, yeah, I would definitely look at productivity and seeing if a solution like ChatGPT can give your marketing team productivity gains, um, copy and paste work, busy work, et cetera, like having a look at your processes and seeing, you know, where these tools can help so that good people get more done. I think that's worthwhile. And then for Google specifically, this is something I've encouraged for a while, but it's becoming more important is let's think about SEO success, not so much about rankings and organic traffic. Let's really think more about visibility and real estate on page one um, um, in the sense that, <clears throat> like I said, Page one probably soon has some sort of like chatbot experience, but already today it has images, it has videos, it has a map pack, um, it has people also asks, it has feature snippet, and just really thinking about um, how can we appear in these different spots. So for example, one of the things that we've done, we've published your SEO content, not only on your website, we've also published it on Medium and LinkedIn and wanted to see, you know, if we can get some tractions with that. And um, just thinking more holistically, like how can we get visibility on page one? And a ranking blog post is one of those options. But depending on what type of brand you are and what type of products you're promoting, there are other options. And so, for example, if you are a lifestyle brand, et cetera, some of these options are more video and image search, et cetera. And so taking a more holistic approach. Um, I think SEO is a momentum game. So if you're ranking well today and your rankings are growing, and uh, by the way, we're at a new all-time high for traffic for GCE for January as well. And so once you have momentum, it's also like, I don't think now is the time to um, stop, but now is the time to keep an open eye and ears and be willing to experiment throughout this year as these changes begin, begin rolling out. Okay, excellent. There's, there's a lot there, uh, you know, obviously, you, you know, you and I work together, but then you obviously are a, uh, a client of, of the shift spot as well, mm -hmm. right? Participate in there. And, um, you know, so we're going to post this in there and then our external podcast as well. If people have this, this month, by the way, uh, not, not sure if you're aware or not, but it's sales and marketing month. So we're actually hitting a lot of content and having a lot of discussions around around that as well but I, I would uh, encourage you know CEOs and owners in the community if you have some questions uh, on SEO or need some assistance there to, to, to tag Viola on on that she can reach out to you but what are some other ways for those that aren't in the community Viola to reach out to you if they have any additional questions or want to pick your brain on strategies or hire you in your firm so uh, you can obviously come to our website. The website is flow-seo.com. So flow-seo.com. Otherwise, the social media channel where I'm most active is LinkedIn. And so feel free to connect with me there. I'm technically on a few other things like Twitter, et cetera. But in all honesty, the one that I'm checking and the one that I'm posting and the one that I'm on top of is LinkedIn. And so, yeah, feel free to connect with me via our website. Um, 
where also there's a GPT-3 chatbot on the blog where you can see how it is talking SEO with a chatbot that is trained on Flow SEO knowledge. And then, yeah, feel free to contact us through the website. Okay, awesome. Well, it's been a lot of fun. And I would encourage those listening as well, if you're not a member of the ShiftSpot, to check us out because a lot of the pain points and the things that we discussed at the very beginning, such as how to, how to lead with strength, you know, how to build the right teams, how to how to utilize processes and systems to your advantage and everything, some of the things that we hit. And if you're struggling and you're wondering like, wow, should I actually go backwards? Would my life be easier? And, uh, you know, I was looking to create freedom and then suddenly I've created a, uh, a very labor intensive job for myself that lacks freedom. And why am I the person that actually makes less money than everybody else in my company? That doesn't make sense to me and why I created a company. If you haven't any of those thoughts, you know, check us uh, check us out. We're uh, you know we we surround you with experts in in specific domain areas, along with other CEOs that are going through those same journeys in life, regardless of revenue size. But Viola, it's been a real pleasure as usual. I appreciate it. I uh, I totally respect your expertise and the things that you get to, you bring to the table. And I will say, any marketer that it knows me out there, um, those words do not come easily. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I appreciate that very very much Ken and also thank you for giving me a space to nerd out about SEO. I don't I don't think we ever went so deep and so I appreciate it. You got it. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you.